0: Hi everyone and welcome to Heroes and Howlers and the Rest is History. I'm Mikey Robbins. I'm a bit of a history nerd,
1: but my mate Paul Wilson... Hi everybody. Paul's a proper historian all the way from Oxford. Thanks Mikey. Okay folks, so here's the show... It's about the unsung heroes, no. the bizarre twists of fate, those weird bits of history that have so titiously changed the course of mankind. Yeah, actually made it it's also about the cock-ups.
0: <laughs> yeah. the, those howlers, the moments of madness that are sometimes tragic, sometimes comical that have made the world what it is today. Hi everyone and welcome to Series 3 of Heroes and Howlers and the rest is history. A little bit different this time because of lockdown, we're in separate parts of the city. So I'm going to throw it out into the ether and say
1: come in from wherever you are, Mr Paul Wilson. Hi folks, great to be back. Season 3. Sydney may be in lockdown, but after all the lovely feedback we've been getting on Twitter and the rest of social media, we, we promise to we'll carry on and nothing's going to stop us. Yeah, yeah it reminds me of that story. Um, was it was Peter Wilson, uh, no relation, unfortunately, but the old great 70s journo back in the UK and his book, you know, The Man They Couldn't Gag. And that's us, I think, Mikey. Yeah, we will be heard. And, and what are we going to be hearing about today?
0: Well, mate, uh, if I was to say the phrase Potsdam Giants, who do you think I'd be talking about?
1: The Potsdam Giants. Okay, Um, I'll be honest with you, it doesn't ring an instant bell, but I'm thinking Giants, uh, I don't know, basketball, uh, um, American football, or... um, no. Oh, but no, Potsdam, of course, yeah, Potsdam, Berlin. Uh, We're talking end of World War II, the declaration, the Allies Conference, aren't we? Well,
0: Mike, I must admit that was a bit of a howler because, of course, you know you've got the whole problem with with
1: Churchill and remember the election that he loses and Stalin and it's a very interesting what happens in that conference, isn't it, Mikey? Because you, know, you Stalin, of course, uh, goes down in history as, as the real winner um, because, as you say, Churchill he, he loses the election back in the UK halfway through, doesn't he? Uh, and they, everyone thinks that puts him off his game. He really cocks up uh, the conference itself because, of course, the other person there is. Harry Truman, and he doesn't really know what he's doing either, because FDR's just died. So, but that you're saying that's not your howler. No, mate, you've got, you've got to go further back in
0: history for this, and you've got to get Prussian. Now, while we're getting Prussian, I've got a question Prussian. to ask you because, because these days when we say Prussia mm. or Prussian, we say it more like an mm. adjective, and not a particularly nice one. But yeah, let's <laughs> get clear on this. What actually was It's a bit Prussia, of an insult, mate? isn't it, if you if you get called Prussian? I suppose the question yeah. for most
1: people at home is, um, what is Prussia? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's right, Maggie. You know, what, what's pressure? Or, or where's pressure, really, isn't it? Because, you know, we talk about uh, Germany and German unification in the 19th century. But as you said, we've got to go back a little bit further. Um, but we are in this area of northeastern Europe. What's modern day Germany, Poland, Ukraine, Belarus, the Baltic states as well. All this area um, used to be called Prussia at one time. Um, and it all comes back from that word Prusas, which means a sort of body of water or lakes and rivers, which basically refers to the wetlands, marshes in that region. Funnily enough, nothing to do with Russia. You know, a lot of people say Russia and Prussia, but no, there's no etymological uh, connection at all. It's purely about the water. But um, I suppose going back to World War Two, the other thing that we think about with Prussia, of course, is the army, isn't it?
0: Yes, indeed. I mean, you the the, the prowess of the
1: the infantry. And and as you know, that goes back to the old order of the Teutonic Knights. Well, that's it. That's that's why it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because you you, you go right back to the Teutonic Knights, you go back to the Crusades. They started off as their military uh, prowess and then it goes through the Hanseatic League and becomes the duchy. Uh, of pressure in the 16th century, um, but again, it, it's all about this military, the infantry, the army, and the military prowess. And I think that's why it takes off so well in the 16th century. You, you, by now, you're talking about the, the House of Hohenzollern, <laughs> which is the, uh, the house that creates the duchy of uh, 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 Prussia, and it's able to really take off because, of course, at the same time, you've got the decline. Of the Holy Roman Empire, haven't you? You know, and you've got new empires emerging. You got you got the Swedish in the seventeenth century. You've got well the Poles, the Polish knights. They're always ebbing and flowing, aren't they? But you've you you got Lithuania. Um, it's, it's actually quite interesting, Mikey. I never realised this uh, until I started digging a bit deeper. Lithuania was actually the biggest state in Europe at one stage during the 15th century. But yeah, your pressure, we're in Potsdam, which is, uh, as you say, Berlin, um, and they've got their capitals actually in Königsberg, isn't it? is not it 1701? It becomes... Uh, a kingdom but uh, as you say it's still all about the army um, it's all about Potsdam and of course there's that beautiful palace isn't The Sans Souci that they built in Potsdam which is yeah the, the great rival to Versailles if you like but anyway that explains the Potsdam bit Mikey but you know I must admit I'm still a little bit lost with the giants because I'm sure all those Prussian kings, you know, weren't they like sort of (laughs) five foot two or something? They'd be famous for being short asses. Actually,
0: mate, you're right. You know, for generations, the leaders of Prussia were notoriously short Europeans. But if I was to ask you who was the greatest of the Prussian (laughs) kings,
1: I'm pretty certain you're going to go Frederick the Great, right? The old Fritz, as you call him. Right, right, you've got to go you've got to go with Frederick. Yeah, old Fitz, yeah. Frederick II. So what, what are we talking now? What's that, 1740s? Uh, to, 1740s, is that, mate? Yes, yeah, so 1740 to eighty six. Now, now, the guy wasn't just a king. He was a philosopher.
0: He was a composer. Right. He, wa- he was sort of um, you mm-hmm. know, a European model
1: yep. of an enlightened monarch. He was famed for his religious tolerance, wasn't he? Yeah, well, I'm being a bit kind there. But uh, as you know, the guy was a military genius. Yeah, he changed the, the map of Europe... Um, forever, really, but but, but, he's not, but he's not a howler, surely? No, he's not, mate. But his dad is. I'm
0: talking about King Frederick Wilhelm I, the howler. He reigned from 1713 to 1740. Mm-hmm. Now, you might have heard him co- being called the soldier king. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, then he did expand Prussia's military. He never actually mm. engaged in any military action himself. In fact, the reason he had the nickname the Soldier King was he was rather partial to playing dress-ups. He liked dressing up as a soldier and sneaking off and sleeping in (laughs) a barracks to spend time. And the other thing, too, is he was so obsessed with anything military... He even passed that down onto his son, who became Frederick the Great. Mm. As a young man, or even as a boy, young Frederick Mm. would be woken up every morning by a cannon going off, at which point he'd have to get out of bed, join his little schoolmates, and drill as soldiers with scaled-down rifles and (laughs) artillery. And if he didn't do it properly (laughs) enough, his father, Frederick Wilhelm I, my howler, Mm. he would have him physically punished, to the point where the young kid actually, with a few of his mates, ran away. He got caught. His father had him (laughs) court-martialed and then thrown in the brig. And, And there are actually some stories, mate, that he had one of his friends beheaded and made young Frederick watch. Wow. But that's not the thing I want to talk about today. I want to talk about his special regiment of extremely tall soldiers. They're officially called the Grand Grenadiers of Potsdam More commonly called the Potsdam Giants Mm -hmm. and even the Long Guys. Ah.
1: Okay, folks, so we're talking today about the Potsdam Giants, which, of course, is Prussia back in the 18th and uh, coming into the 19th century. As Mikey said, They're an elite regiment that Frederick Wilhelm I has put together, and I'm so I'm guessing, Mikey, that's what to go and conquer the rest of Europe, like sort of SAS Navy SEAL regiment, or uh, actually, what exactly?
0: No, is it mate, they never actually left the parade ground. Um, he was they were far too <laughs> they were far too right. valuable for him, as actually basically giant toys and when I say giant they were paid by the meter Uh, they uh, they actually got paid according to how tall they were and also too on top of that they got spiffy uniforms with giant hats that made them another 45 centimeters tall which uh,
1: seriously it was the king's favorite thing to actually make them march up and down right so parading (laughs) becoming a bit of a theme here talk, talk me through the parade Well, okay, for a start, it wasn't just any normal parade. Um, It would start
0: off with a whole bunch of Moorish trumpeters who'd come out first, then the guards would come in behind them. Then on top of that, (laughs) they actually actually Mm -hmm. had a giant bear on a chain as their mascot. Now, I've got a quote here from Voltaire, who was yes. visiting the court. And he, he, he said, Every day, armed with a huge sergeant's cane, he, meaning King Wilhelm I, he marched forth to review his regiment of giants. Mm. These giants were his greatest delight. He played with them as a child would play with enormous living toys. To the point where even if he was crook, he would bring the guards around and parade them in front of his bedroom window to cheer him up. So, OK, but if they really are giants, Mikey, how, yeah, are we? how much taller are we talking? Oh, mate, on average, they are 15 centimetres taller than your run-of-the-mill soldier. And that was just to get into the regiment. So how did he, he
1: recruit these guys? Was it, was it
0: procurement? Uh, mate, he wasn't above a bit of kidnapping. <laughs> OK, go on. Okay, there's the famous story of the Irishman James Kirkland. Now, James was considerably taller than what we consider even to be a strapping Mm. young man. Look, even today, his 2.18 metres would make him an extremely tall bloke. Now, Frederick William, you know, the crazy king, by this Mm. stage, he actually had scouts out all over Europe searching up men of (laughs) stature to join the special regiment. Now, according to Friedrich Willem's 18th century biographer, Thomas Carlyle, mm. tall men were collected, crimped, purchased out of every European country at enormous expense. But then again, it gets weirder because there were these weird talent scouts. And one of these was the Prussian ambassador to London, mm. Baron Caspar Wilhelm von Bork. Now, Bork heard about Kirkland, and in a a coded letter, explained to the king that he had, and you're not going to believe this, mate, spotted a very interesting Irish horse. But he's talking about Kirkland. Exactly. And so Wilhelm enthusiastically replies, I don't have any of that variety yet. And then the whole dastardly plot is put into action. Now... Kirkland is offered a job in London as a footman to von Bork, but en route to London, he was grabbed, bundled onto a Prussian ship and sent off to the King's Court in Potsdam. But what we we do know is that Kirkland didn't actually mind Mm. being there because... He got paid. Well, remember how I said they get paid by the meter? Well, he was the tallest guy there, so he was the most well paid. He got stacks of food. He made so much money that he actually ended up staying in Potsdam and became quite a successful merchant. Is he the only one, or the vast all Germans? No, no, no. Mate. In fact, other monarchs around Europe would send the king their tallest soldiers, just as like a, I suppose, a birthday present for the guy who has everything. Which brings me to this other bizarre kidnapping story. <laughs> This involves a guy called Major General Baron mm-hmm. von Hompesch. Now, apparently Hompesch was in a small town, uh, uh, Yazlik, <laughs> just outside of the capital, where he came across a carpenter suitable enough in height to impress you know, his boss. Now, realising that the carpenter wouldn't want to walk away from a well-paying gig, he's, he's quite a well-known carpenter, the Baron comes up with a plan. He tells him he needs mm-hmm. a, a rectangular box with a lid round about the same size as the carpenter. Uh, okay. He comes back to the, ne- the next day and says it's not big enough. At which point, the carpenter, this is how the story goes, to prove it's big enough, jumps in the box. At which point, the baron's men nail him in there and s- to send him back to the king. But, mate, you know, remember, remember when you, you were kids and you know, you'd, you'd catch an insect in a shoebox? Yeah, yeah oh, they hang forgot on. to poke holes in the lid. So. <laughs> So when the box arrived, the poor carpenter (laughs) was dead and the
1: baron was imprisoned. So the king's sending all these scouts sort of all over the country and and it sounds a bit like the child catcher in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. with everyone hiding? Well, actually, that's that, that, that's actually quite correct, mate. They would have scouts
0: going all over the country trying to find tall children, you know, amongst the peasants. To the point where parents would hide their tall kids, like you know, in hay bales and in barns, so they wouldn't be dragged off to the capital. There were others that would go around maternity hospitals and put red scarves around newly born tall babies, and they would keep an eye on those kids to later procure them for the regiment. And, and here's the thing. Tall women were actually encouraged to move to Potsdam to breed with potential grenadiers. And just when you think it can't get any weirder, if a certain grenadier wasn't quite up to the king's requirements when it comes to length, he wasn't above putting them on the Mm -hmm. rack and giving them a stretch. In fact, it was said that he would actually sit there and um, have a
1: couple of glasses of Madeira and eat his lunch while I'm being stretched. All right, so this Frederick Wilhelm I, he sounds like a bit of a, a dodgy character. What do you think, Mikey? Was it a fetish or...? Well, there is a quote. He once said, The most beautiful girl or woman in the
0: world will be a matter of indifference to me, but tall soldiers are my
1: weakness. <laughs> So there you go, folks. That's the Potsdam Giants, um, the, the 18th century equivalent of the the Harlem Globe Charters. <laughs> but what happened when Will, William Frederick died, Mikey? Did they disband? Well, actually, you no. Know, when his son,
0: the man we know as Frederick the Great, finally takes over, he doesn't immediately disband them, but he also too he stops recruiting. Right. But it does have, and I've got to say this, it does have a rather ugly legacy. I mean, as as you know, Frederick the Great was, was seen by, by the Nazis years later as the ultimate sort of you know, Prussian military leader. Mm. And also, too, they did adopt some of Frederick Wilhelm I, his father's rather misguided and let's just say what it is, evil concepts of eugenics.
1: And of course, on the other side, in terms of Prussian legacy, you've got the whole military industrialisation juggernaut, haven't you? You know, which in the 19th century under Bismarck led to German unification and the formation of the Second Reich. Oh, and, and actually, mate, one last thing. The producer was saying to me this morning that Potsdam is still known today for its very tall inhabitants. Well, mate, I think the final
0: word about this whole bizarre moment in history should go to the great Charles Darwin. And Darwin said humans had never been bred like livestock, except for the well-known case of the Prussian grenadiers.
1: Well, that, there you go, folks. There you go. End of the episode. Any questions? Any questions about giants? Tall people? Um, <laughs> any tips for holidays in Potsdam? Anything to do with toy soldiers? Actually, I've got a great catch from The Great Toy Soldier Story, but I'll tell you that later. All right, folks, there you go. Drop us a line on all your social media using the handle at and the rest is hissed. And the rest is hist. And you can find all that stuff in the show notes. OK, and if you like the podcast, don't forget to like, subscribe and comment, you know, whichever platforms you usually use. And
0: we'll cast you all again next week when Paul is
1: taking us on a rampage
0: with none other than Attila the Hun. <laughs>